This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, number one podcast on game development and the lifestyle thereof. Please welcome our special guest this week, Ewan Croft. Ewan, if you don't mind, can you introduce yourself to our audience? Ewan Croft. Uh, I'm a game developer. Um, I am currently freelance. I do uh, effects, dynamic simulations, and things like that. Uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in Marin County. I started out in art outsourcing. Uh, moved to a uh, big studio publisher for about a decade and uh, went freelance about two years ago. How's it going so far for you, man? And it started off a little, little scary at first. You know, I thought it was going to be just a walk in the park, but it was like crickets for the first couple of weeks. But um, it started picking up and uh, I started getting some good clients. And, and now it's and now it's going pretty well. What was, if you don't mind me asking, what was your first, I guess, course correction when you basically had crickets and you're like, well, this ain't going to work. So what did you, what did you do to to generate business? First thing is, uh, I kind of want to take a little time. Um, so I actually, uh, strangely enough, became a scuba instructor of all things and (laughs) was kind of filling the time doing that. Um, that actually ended up opening some really interesting doors, a lot of travel and things like that. But what happened was, uh, I got a call from, uh, of all people, ILM, um, and as an effect artist, uh, that's a, definitely a call you're gonna be very happy to get. So I got a gig over there, um, did a did a few movies over there, and that definitely uh, helped out. Uh, that's yeah, a good that's... name to have on your uh, reel, and some you know some big shots from uh, ILM definitely doesn't hurt. Oh, nice. So the trick is get ILM to give you work, and then you're indie. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I didn't even they didn't give me work. I had a very good friend who had been there for a long time. Yeah. Uh, knew I was freelance. He never said a word to me. Um, but a very, very dear friend, Lee, a uh, great, great guy. He had been there for 13 years, done some big, big work there. Uh, and he made a phone call without saying a word to me. And that's really what started it. So uh, I'll be forever grateful to that, to that, to that friend. You know, it was, but to be honest, I think the two are converging like at a really rapid pace. So when uh, in the last few years at 2K, um, we were starting to use movie tools, um, you know, specifically Houdini. Uh, to do a lot of our dynamics and simulation work and spectacle event stuff. So working on those pipelines, um, you know, it kind of got me familiar with some of the movie stuff. And I'd also started doing a lot of heavy training because I really felt that, um, you know, games were starting to approach movie quality, or at least the expectation is there. Um, and so I sort of, you know, uh, done a fair amount of self self study. Um, but yeah, getting there, it's a very different culture. And, uh, you know, I mean, just things as, as low level as going from Windows to Linux took a few days to get my head around. Um, but they do a very good job of onboarding you. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, it was it is a bit different. But I, to be honest with you, I think it's harder going from film to games than games to film. Uh, you know, and obviously in film, you don't have to worry about performance and things like that. And that's just something in game development we live in. Um, so uh, it, it wasn't that bad. And I had already kind of uh front loaded it a little bit so 
So what about you're saying going from games to film you find is the easier of the two? I guess what are the conditions? I think it is. I think it is. As someone making that transition. Right. I I think the the visual fidelity expectations in film are obviously a lot higher. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and also like the numbers were just crazy. And effects artists, I'm throwing around particles and Unreal, right? And the number, whoa, he's throwing around, you know, 500. And now going over there, it's like 20 million. (laughs) So it's like kind of a, um, obviously it scales up by orders of magnitude, but you know, the, 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 core of it is pretty similar i mean you know a good film effect has a lot of the same qualities as a good game effect so you know anticipation and punch and and uh you know weight and things like that the principles the similar principles apply um and i know a lot of great film people who have done transition to games and are doing great game work Um, but i think it is a shock to the system going from you know having a huge render farm to do stuff and all of a sudden trying to get your stuff to run on a you know an xbox yeah. Um, that can be a rude awakening. And I've seen some people, um, some film folks, you know, kind of struggle with that transition. But um, but as that's for that reason, I think it's a little bit easier to go from games to film. Cool. Well, what were some of the oh, good? Well, like, obviously, when you were transitioning, there's like a whole conversation with family, like looking at the results and and uh, and then preparing basically a, a lifestyle that can change and fluctuate. Right. So that's. Probably, I would yeah. say the hardest conversation with the wife and the children's like, hey, things are not going to be as good <laughs> for a, a little, a little while, right? Yeah. Was that just well, dude, cushioning you know, the fall? I, I chose wisely. My wife is an absolute badass. Um, you know, beautiful, smart, Show funny, and uh, <laughs> and she. Uh, I came home. I've been at two K for almost ten years. That's a long time. And I kind of said, you know, I was like, I really, I, I, I want a life less ordinary. Um, you know, I've, I've been doing some, am I doing this? Am I staying here because, uh, I'm comfortable? Am I staying here because I'm scared to try to venture out? Um, you know, if that doesn't scream midlife crisis, I don't know what does, but mm-hmm. she was an absolutely, I mean, she was amazing. She was like, dude, you're going to land on your feet. Um, and also there were some practical matters. She's a, you know, very accomplished, has a very accomplished career. Um, so she was able to, you know, use her insurance for the family and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it did make things a little bit easier, but she was totally supportive hundred percent. Um, you know, I, then I come home, like, I'm going to start scuba diving, teaching scuba diving and traveling mm-hmm. and she was totally, you know, supportive of that too. And so, um, I guess I chose well and it made that transition a little easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, have, yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, the scuba diving is like, I don't, I never knew that you had that <laughs> skill set in the back end. Uh, do you feel like that was a necessary thing to kind of be able to risk averse, uh, to have multiple things to juggle with to just in case you know as a side thing or not so anybody who's a dive instructor out there knows that it's not going to make you any money mm-hmm. it's really a, a labor of love um and it also was something physical and very different uh, you, we sit in front of computers what 10 12 hours a day yeah um so it's uh it was a nice balance to this computer lifestyle i love art my primary vocation is doing art um but it really wasn't a matter of hedging bets financially um, it was more of kind of, again, pursuing that life less ordinary. Um, and really, you know, all I do now is I teach clients, like very specialized clients, usually at their homes. But the travel is a big deal. It, uh, I'm starting to lead trips. Um, so it was, you know, Bonaire in February. It'll be Fiji in October. Uh, Yucatan in February. Turks and Caicos in June. So it kind of opened this door to this life less ordinary. Again, you know, we were, I was working at a big studio, um, you know, maybe what, one vacation a year. 
uh, working on holidays a lot of the time. So it was really taking advantage of the freedom you get from freelancing. Um, But that, again, was a transition. When I started getting, you know, a lot of work, I had a really hard time turning it off. And it was just pendulum swung the exact other way before I'm in, you know, working at a studio um, and under a lot of stress. And now I didn't know how to turn it off. So I'm at home applying a lot of stress to myself and doing, you know, just working way too much, not getting out from behind the machine. And um, so the scuba diving, I started a business called Soul Seeker, and that just is a nice counterpoint or a balance to airship, which is my effects and, and simulation uh, freelance gig. Um, but uh, it really wasn't a matter of hedging bets in terms of like supporting the family. Mm. Uh, it's not going to do much for you there. It's a lot of fun. If you compare the two, though, right, because it seems like you had two businesses which were, hey, this is something that I'm going to offer. Here's how I acquire my customers. Then I go out and do the thing. You had like a rinse and repeat kind of business. Yes. Uh, okay. Was yeah. that the plan in going freelance or did you just find that that ended up being what was most effective? Totally random, man. I just I had been freelance before and I had a mentor way back in the day who kind of taught me how to be freelance. Okay. Um, he was an uh, amazing dude. Uh, very, very good friend. Um, taught me a ton. And he, he taught me the basics, like time tracking, billing, how to talk to clients about money, um, how to talk to clients about, you know, work, how to get feedback. Um, so, you know, I sort of had some experience freelancing and that's why it wasn't quite as daunting, but uh, it, it, it was, you know, it was quite a transition. Yeah. Um, the, for the scuba diving, it was way different. It was just like, I just like this, you know, I can, you know, I, it's physical, it's healthy, it's, I love being in the ocean. Um, and so before I was in an office all the time working and then on the weekends I was exhausted and didn't want to do anything. And now I'm like working freelance in front of the computer quite a bit, but then the weekends I'm in Monterey or in Tahoe. We just got back from Tahoe this weekend. My 11 year old just got certified. He's a little badass. Oh, nice. um, but, uh, but I also started shooting video and applying the same visual creativity we use in game development to shooting travel videos and drone footage and underwater and cutting little, um, adventure videos. And so now I'm starting to document the trips and make little adventure trip, uh, videos for the trips. So it's a totally different world, but when I get burned out on effects, I can kind of shift gears and go over to that. When I start getting tired of that and tired of being sandy and salty, uh, I can, you know, come back to my comfy studio and, and do some, some computer graphic. Well, then the next big question for me, because I know a lot of people in the audience probably have the same fear, which is when you go freelance, how you get paid and your taxes and everything is a completely different ball game than when the government was like essentially taking their cut before you got paid. So you had less to worry about. Now it's like, Oh, I need to make sure I save almost 50% of everything I'm making because I have no idea what the tax is going to be. Can you walk me through, I guess, how that absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's a really, really key point. Um, so anybody who's gone freelance and luckily I did this early in my career, but uh, if you've gone freelance, you probably made the mistake. You're 1099, you get a big check and you think you'll pay the taxes later. And, you know, you might've gotten burned. I never got burned super bad, but um, I took that very early lesson from 20 years ago to heart. And I put away 40% of every dime I get. Um, 1099 is very different than W2. So you have to be careful about that. Cool, yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, so definitely that's a big part of it. Um, in terms of getting paid, like one thing I learned early on is just talk directly with clients and be very honest about billing. I think a lot of new freelancers are really scared to talk about money yeah. or they try to you know, justify their rates. And I think the signal that sends is they're not confident in their own work or um, obviously you have to have the work to back it up. Um, but I found that if you just really direct the clients, um, you know, that, that helps a lot and that you develop a, a trust pretty quickly. Um, also, you know, if I get a client that's really difficult, right, they're giving you money for work. 
Mm-hmm. They're laggy on for that deal. You know, it's it it makes it a lot less fun. So, um, luckily, the clients I have now are really really good. And also, man, times are changing. I send an invoice out, and I get like a wire transfer in forty five minutes. It used to be like a thirty day net. I was gonna say I remember net thirty, net sixty, net ninety, and even then you're sending letters like, "Hey guys, for real, I need that money." Exactly, and that was, you know, that's kind of a drag. So I, you know, that's I always try to really, especially the new clients, like, "Hey, you know, this is quid pro quo, and I'm gonna be Johnny on the spot for you, mm-hmm. but you know, you got to be Johnny on the spot for me too." And I do not want to, you know, I, this is not a collections agency. Yeah. So um, I stop work as soon as an invoice is late. I give a 15 day net. Mm-hmm. All the clients I work with now are like, it's crazy. They just, within the hour. So, wow. feels you like. Must, you must do excellent work. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I think that it's just, it's just gotten a lot easier. I mean, Zelly transfers and yeah. things like that just make it a lot easier. And also, I think the clients today, I mean, it's not like they don't have, or they may, but it's not like there's some comp troll or reading through paper invoices and cutting checks on a dot matrix printer anymore. I mean, it's, Things have definitely sped up, so it makes it a little bit easier, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a different ball game today. It is. It is. I mean, think about it. You, we meet, to, you know, we video conference for just about everything. Um, it's just all this stuff that makes it a lot easier to be a freelance artist now. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of, uh, I'd like to jump in. Is this might be a great transition point too? Then is is there like one single piece of software that has really made your freelance life like I don't know, you can say QuickBooks or whatever, but is there like a I don't know, like a schedule tasker or a time tasker or any little tools that you could recommend to the audience listening right now that has significantly helped you manage your company as a freelancer? You know, actually, to be honest with you, I'm not like, um, I use time tracking software and it didn't really, you know, because I'm, we, I think one of the things that I'm doing is I'm jumping around a lot and working on a lot of different things. And so trying to time track by path wasn't, you know, we're not making widgets. So, um, I use uh, TurboTax, um, and that's worked actually really well. They have kind of a, a small business um, option, and that helps out a lot with taxes. So we were talking about 1099 and the tax burden kind of that you take on by going freelance. Well, there's also benefits. Like I deduct my office. I deduct my Xbox. I deduct all my games. I deduct. So you, there's an upside to that as well. Um, but I found TurboTax. Um, they remember all my stuff from last year and repopulate everything. Um, it certainly makes it easier. Um, they walk me through and the wizard's pretty good about asking me about deductions and trying to get me the most, but um, not really in terms of, in terms of like office management. Um, I don't have a huge number of clients, you know, I'm typically have a, you know, 20 hour week contract or a 40 hour week contract, something like that. So it's not like I'm managing 30 different vendors or anything or clients or anything like that. Okay. Fair enough. So when was the, the point where you, uh, where the fear subsided, right? Obviously there's a, there's a, a point of uh, of before you jump in and why you're in it. Um, I with a lot of people that we have on, there's there feels like there's a there's a moment at least where you feel, hey, this is just a different way of thinking more so than than it being a dangerous path, right? Right. Well, again, I think I was really lucky. I mean, my wife's a badass, and you know, we we were pretty smart. Um, I was in the, you know, the dot com thing back in the day. And so we weren't really, you know, it wasn't super, super risky. Mm-hmm. We were definitely risking a very, you know, a pretty cushy lifestyle. But that I found, you know, I think we think it is earlier in life. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, I think the fear subsided um, after a little bit. Mm-hmm. That was it. I mean, it was like from there I've had, uh, you know, the work really difficult to find work after that. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I've and there you guys have both been around for a long time. You build relationships and people develop trust. And, uh, that obviously didn't hurt either. You know, when I went freelance when I was young, I didn't have that. And so I'm like, oh, I'm really, I have a good work ethic, blah, blah, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, now it's like people work with you for eight years. They know what you're about. And so I found that, you know, available and, and freelance, um, they can add you to the team. It's fairly a little risk. I can tell you to take a hike if they don't like you. Um, the contracts are typically three months, six months, something like that. So um, the fear subsided after I put that new reel up and the phone started ringing. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like everything worked out, right? So there's never going to be, there's always that possibility at any point, which probably helps with the fact that you can always go back if you really want to, uh, to basically that life, right? So that that aside from the supporting wife in her career and all that stuff, there's really, once you really put all the cards on the table, there's no way that you're gonna feel uh, slighted at any point because you can always have that as a backup plan, right? So what is your advice to anyone that is at that point when you were at 2K, right? When you're thinking about doing things, what what advice would you give them now, knowing what you know now? Uh, because you, you were at that one point, obviously there, and maybe talking to a few friends about this, but what was the one thing that they missed or really, or, or actually said that really rang true for you? In terms of going freelance from the more stable kind mm-hmm. of setup? Mm-hmm. Um, it's you life is just this journey of learning and you know this journey of becoming humble and all these things um i figured out on you know the lesson was if you're not passionate and love this especially when these projects are now three and four years long um you know you need to make a move you need to make that choice um you know and and to be totally honest i think we're all human i mean i was sticking around because i again you know was i scared to leave was i scared to try to do something different did i would you know was i afraid i wasn't be able to hack it out here all really valid questions um advice i'd give is obviously be practical you 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 need to have a body of work and it's very helpful if you can that you know you can call upon and say hey if you guys have and if you need a little help i'm definitely available to help you out or but uh would say is freelancing like it sound like you know it's just oh my god life is perfect and i'm going scuba diving and blah 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 um the fact of the matter is you know there's always two signs to every coin um i uh you know the downside of freelancing is it's very isolated you know you vid call with people and stuff but like when i first started before i started figuring it out i mean i was like man i just work all the time i was by myself all the time i'm I mean, I come down here in my underwear and it's just like, <laughs> it was, it was kind of crazy for a while. You know? And it, it took time to figure it out. So, you know, definitely if you decide to go freelance, make sure you keep those connections. I now go out to lunch a couple times a week with friends, many from 2K still. Um, I really make a point to try to have a normal day, like get up, you know, take a shower, like, you know, um, and then I go to work in my home office, obviously. But um, that was another thing. Definitely 
be aware that when you do go freelance, there is the potential to be very isolated. And I, even today, like I may at some point, once I get this bug out of my system, go back to studio life. Mm -hmm. Um, I miss the collaboration. I miss the camaraderie. I miss that esprit de corps feeling like you're part of an elite team. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, there's really, it's a double-edged sword, but right now, um, I'm a bit, I'm here, I'm like with my kid a lot. I'm able to spend a lot of time with them. Um, we travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of great adventures, stuff I wouldn't be able to do if I had a normal W-2 job. You know, you do, it, it, I would say, um, op, you, once you walk through a door, other doors present themselves. And you don't necessarily see those doors before you walk through it. So you have to cross that breach to actually see the opportunities that are in front of you. But without fail, like if you are, if you're passionate about what you do, you will be good at it. If you're, you know, if you have a work ethic and you, and you work hard and you love this stuff, you will work hard at it. You know, there is work out there. You'll do fine. Um, But I I also, I don't want to say that cavalierly because I I would hate to say, oh yeah, go out there. And all of a sudden somebody's out there and they give up a good job and they end up in a tough, tough spot. Um, But everybody has to do that calculus for themselves. Um, I, I felt the risk was worth it. I felt that it was time. I'd been at 2K for almost 10 years. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's a really hard call. And I think everybody uh, is going to have their own challenges they're going to have to overcome if they decide to go independent. Uh, but, again, I think the, the most important point is that you won't see the opportunities out there in front of you until you make that step. So it's a little risky, but I was actually pleasantly surprised by the way the world opened up as soon as I walked through that door. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be a little too personal, so you don't have to say an exact amount, but did you prepare yourself with like a nest egg to kind of lean on when you went freelance or was it like a, a cold turkey, like, fuck it, it's tomorrow, you know, and then I'm doing this? Um, You know, financially speaking, again, you know, I've worked hard for a long time, Um yeah. And uh, I've done a lot of different things. So we, we you know, and I, I learned pretty quickly that it was a lot better to not have any debt than it was to have a super fancy car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so we, my wife, the same way. she's very pretty practical. And, yeah. you know, she'd rather have, you know, a trip for the family than a piece of jewelry kind of thing. So we were fairly fortunate in the way we had conducted ourselves that it didn't, it wasn't super crazy. Like we weren't going to be out on the street or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest with you, when I did split, it was a very quick it wasn't like I keyed and hawed for two years. It was like, mm. I'm not, you know, do I love this next project we're talking about? Mm, maybe not so much. Um, you know, it's time. Uh, and again, then those other questions about like, you know, am I staying here because I'm comfortable? Um, which is, if you're asking yourself that question, then it's time to move on. Yeah. And speaking of challenges, you, you know, working in a home office presents things, like you said, that you didn't see before, right? Doors that you didn't walk through family seeing you always there kids seeing that you're always available but the doors close remember i'm working it's like really dad come on let's hang out so what's kind of a a boundaries were you uh did you have to set to get everyone used to you being at home again which is a whole different feeling dude that is a really really funny point that you bring up because that actually was really tricky Mm -hmm. and i found myself like getting a little snippy at times. I'm like, guys, I'm working. I'm working. This is like a normal job. This is not me goofing around, you know? And uh, so I do actually close the door. Um, but I, I try to be with my kid. He's, and my wife, but my, you know, my kids, he's going into middle school next year. He's, it's just really good for me to be there, you know, when he goes to school in the morning and when he comes home in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He does give me a hard time for working a lot. He's, oh, he's in your office, you know, but 
I was trying to explain. I'm like, yeah, but I was gone at 6 a.m. till 7 p.m. every day. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's, it's, you know, something you can really be bummed about. Um, but uh, there's, you know, upsides to that, too. Like, you know, we have a nice garden and we plant all kinds of vegetables. And, you know, so my wife and I will go make a fresh caprese salad, tomatoes out of the garden and basil out of the garden and then eat it outside, you know, in the sun. And then, then I just go back to work. You know, it's kind of cool. So there's upsides to it as well. But you're definitely right. I definitely had to set those boundaries. And I think I kind of got some crazy looks at first, like, whoa, dude, what's your problem? <laughs> you know, it, it was something I did have to kind of communicate clearly that, hey, this is my job. And I have to, you know, if if I'm not getting work done, I'm, I'm not going to have this job for very long. So, um, but they they took it pretty, pretty well. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's, I, I know it's something that obviously you both had to deal with because we've had our, our moments, you know, just doing the podcast at Brandon's house and his son's wanting to help out, so to speak. So, yeah, I don't know. I, w- I was just joking that you would like install a hot light. Like, All right, if the light's red, you know, don't come in. <laughs> That's, what I was totally, man. That's a great idea. Um, it hasn't been like that. Again, you know, my kid's in school during the summer. He's at camp. He's a wicked little tennis player, too. Yeah. Okay. He's, uh, you know, they're not around. I do have a lot of time here still. So there's not a lot of distractions. But at three o'clock, things get a little, little haywire. Um, and I just kind of have to communicate. Hey, guys, I'll be out at six. Mm. So uh, I do or whatever. kind of bring back this point because we we slightly touched on it earlier where you're saying, you know, it is a little lonely or you might want to feel like you want to be a part of an elite team again at some point, but right now you're okay with the freelance. Like, I guess, what do you do to fulfill yourself with your social needs while doing the freelancing? Because like eight hours of solitary confinement, so to speak, every single day, five days a week, regardless of you having the luxury to do it and that's how you work. I would imagine there's some kind of human connection element that you feel like on a day-to-day basis you're not getting during that time. So I guess what strategies or how do you cope your brain up larry because um again like in the beginning when i started getting a lot of work and i didn't know how to say no um i kind of lost my mind a little bit like like i was just putting on a pair of rolling a bed put on a pair of sweats and doing that day after day after day and my wife's like dude i thought the idea was a more balanced life not a crazier more isolated life um so i lunch at least once or twice a week um and just go out and hang out with friends. Um, yeah. Fortunately, too, the scuba diving and teaching scuba diving puts me in a really fun environment with really nice people, and we're all there for the same reason. Um, and that's very social. Teaching something like that, um, you know, again, you build that friendship, you build that trust. And I'm still friends with a lot of people who I've taught and trips with us. And so really helped. But again, you kind of have to set a schedule. I make a point every Friday I go out to lunch with friends and you know, I try to do stuff on the weekend and really make a point diving also, you know, if you have an, an alternate, um, sort of passion to be really a godsend, um, because again, it's social, it's physical, it's the complete counterpoint say in a, in isolation in front of a computer in a dark room. Um, so that really helped. So I guess the advice would be, you know, number one, you know, really set a schedule and try to have that social calendar going because that really helps keep that human connection. And the other part was, you know, I don't, I mean, my situation with the diving is pretty specialized, but if you have another passion, it's a really good time to pursue it because if things go quiet, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ramp up the teaching and ramp up the travel. And so I think you could kind of help mitigate that, but I don't think it's just it. I think it's being part of that something bigger. Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of being at you know 2K. I was always really proud of 
Lucasfilm or, you know, I was only there for a couple of months, six months, but, and I was an independent contractor, but yeah. still, um, I'm airship now and nobody knows what that is and nobody cares. Um, so sure, uh, I think when I may want to go back to that studio life, mm. uh, keeping those human connections are really important. Yeah. So before uh, you went off to do freelancing, did you ever consider a partnership starting with something with somebody to kind of help ease the, the danger and the loneliness and all that? Was that a, a, a thought in, in, in your critical process? Really interesting question, man. Um, so when I was younger, I did something. I was freelance back in the day, so I'm going to date myself. But I was like working on CD-ROM games using right. soft homage on an old SGI, right? Mm-hmm. Soft homage. So not even XSI yet. It's 3.8, right? This is way back in the day. <laughs> I'm old ass bastard. Um, but uh, the, the truth of the matter was, was I started and it was going really, really well. And I was very ninja. And I really, it was just a really, really work. Um, I had to scale it up. Mm-hmm. It didn't work at all. So I really didn't consider starting with partners. I found that I worked best, um, especially, you know, again, pursuing that idea of a life less ordinary, the life you want to live. And now if I take on a partner, now my back to, you know, you can travel two weeks a year. Mm-hmm. I split at three if things are quiet and I expect that partner to stick around. Um, so I really didn't. And, uh, I find that, you know, airship again, I may end up going back to a studio at some point. I just found that the, the nimbleness that I got from being solo. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Because it's, it's one of those questions that, um, especially being Silicon Valley, right. When it comes to capital investment, they're always looking for partnership. That's like one of their key features because of obviously being able to bounce ideas and being able to uh, follow through and all that stuff. It's just easier with two than one, right? So, totally. no, I, I, I totally hear you. And I, I sort of frame myself up a little differently. I'm like basically an effects artist for rent. Mm-hmm. You just hire me. I'm part of your team. I'm remote a studio you're hiring a human mm-hmm. um so all the work that i show is all mine um and it, it keeps it pretty clean pretty simple the other component of that was when i took on those partners like they're really good human beings and um they were good people um i, I would never want to you know say anything bad but it was all my clients i was doing the line share of the work and i was sort of subsidizing these other folks. And again, maybe I didn't choose the partners correctly. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of questions that come into that, but personal experience really things. And I just found that being the total, the, the soul, you know, the solo mercenary guy, the ninja that can just work with on projects that I want to, I don't have to worry about anybody else. I don't have to worry about, you know, how do we split the money? I don't have to worry about any of that. It's just like sink or swim by yourself. That's it. Yeah. I can respect that. I, uh, I noticed you're really good at answering the questions that we have for you, so I figured we should kick it up a notch. So on this podcast, we challenge each of our guests with this game called The Fast Five. It's where I ask you five rapid-fire questions, and I need five rapid-fire answers. Uh, and if you do well, we'll let you know, and if you suck, we'll let you know. But uh, every guest... Direct feedback. That's the key to a good partnership. <laughs> All right, well, here we go. Let's jump on in. Question number one. What is your favorite cologne to wear? 
right. Question number two. When making a peanut butter and jelly, which one gets more favor, the peanut butter or the jelly? Okay. Question number three. What is your favorite book that you have read that is not yet a movie? Mm, okay. Question number jam. Um, I can't remember the author's name right now, but uh, really, really intense. And I've thought about like, you know, when, I, when you start heeing and hawing about, oh, I'm going to make a game someday. Like that book is definitely inspiration for it. It's very, very interesting. Okay. Question number four. Who do you think is your, would say, most underrated creator in any kind of medium or content, but just an underrated creator? Mm. So he's a, a solo musician from Canada, and he's absolutely amazing. I thought it was a huge band. It turns out he makes all the music himself, and nobody's heard of this guy. So check out Brad Sucks. He's the man. All right. Question number five. If you could turn any video game villain into your own arch nemesis, but you had to pick, who would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh. Blade Runner. What was the name? The not the Harrison Ford, but the the very uh, eccentric guy from Blade Runner. The, the Danish dude. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't remember his name though. But yeah. Or Blade Runner. That dude was gnarly. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. You got. You held up one question just because you were thinking of the answer, not so much that you didn't have anything to say. I'm still going to give you a top fifteen. You're you're in the I'd say you're about top fifteen. That? Yeah, good stuff, man. And then Sam Sucks, you said that musician again? Brad Sucks. Brad That's sucks. literally Brad the name sucks. of the band. Um okay. it's actually one dude, but he's just really, really interesting cat and really right. funny and very smart music. Sweet. Uh, I like that. You shine some light. So that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, those are my five questions for you this week. Thanks for playing. <laughs> So I have a general question, Ewan, like um, being at a company for 10 years is obviously a rarity, right? You are, business. You're a made man at that point. Um, but also you're able to kind of see where the industry is. I, I just want your general thoughts on with everything that's happening, right? Um, if we just really just circled down in the Bay Area with all those layoffs and not layoffs or studio closures and this and that like uh what are your thoughts just being you know falling in love with the industry and uh being there for a long time and as a game developer uh for any hopefuls or anybody that is uh still within a studio like what what are your uh general thoughts about how everything's going it's tough um you know, we were both at 2K. Um, you know, I have to give them a lot of credit. Like, Marin went down, but they really worked hard to move them around. They moved me to, you know, what became Hangar 13, among a bunch of other people. Um, they moved a lot of people to publishing. Um, so it's always going to be changing. I mean, I, the film industry changing in California is even worse to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, while there are closures and things, there's also studios opening as well. You know, there's new studios popping up, a lot of mobile stuff going on. There's a lot of VR, AR stuff going on. Part of it is really staying nimble, continuing to learn, and not becoming too entrenched. You know, we were talking about being at 2K for almost 10 years, about nine and a half years. I think that entrenchment at the end sort of is it. 
then an advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, I was becoming stagnant. If I was becoming comfortable, if I was to, you know, consciously, but, um, so I think, um, uh, will help. Um, and also, Again, just like going freelance, you can walk through that door and a bunch of doors open. I know a lot of people and, you know, kind of ended up in a really crappy situation, but right away, like doors opened up, you know, mm-hmm. and other studios tend to reach out. And so all of a sudden, what seemed like something really bad, good, you know, and they said, wow, that, you know, that would be the best thing that ever happened to me. So, open mind a situation, realize that your first impression of a situation may not actually uh, be a good indicator of how it's going to play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I respect that. Is there anything that you would say has been the most surprising in your experience? Because obviously you prepare for as much as you can in freelance. Um, and then maybe other than the initial dry spell, like, was there like a moment of like, Oh wow, I did not prepare for this, but have to deal with it. Or like, what was the biggest surprise thus far in your experience in going freelance? I was not prepared to end up at ILM. I didn't expect that at all. Um, That was very surprising. Yeah. History's going to California. A lot of it is, you know, moving to Canada and a lot of it's moving to London. A lot of it's, you know, if you guys have seen life of life after pie, and it's a documentary that kind of talks about it. Mm -hmm. It's very, uh, effects industry in California is in a, is in a weird place. I mean, not unlike the game industry, but it's, I don't think it's as pronounced in games yet. I think games are just more volatile in general. Mm -hmm. Be a huge bet, right? Like if you hit, make a hit, your studio is rocking and you're set. If you don't, that's the end of the studio. So different. Um, be surprising. You know, to be honest, there hasn't been a huge number of surprises going freelance. I, mean, I was a little surprised how quiet it was initially, okay. but you know, you can't be surprised by that. <laughs> uh, maybe that was my hubris. Um, I was surprised when things really started picking up. I was surprised when I had to start saying no. In the since going freelance, it hasn't been like a, a world of shocking okay. or anything like. That. Well, then I have a follow up question. Then um, have any of these people? And this again kind of gets into personal. I don't know how much you want to reveal, but it's always interesting to me to ask these types of questions because I see a lot of freelancers provide great work for a company, and then the company's like why don't we just hire you? You know what I mean? Like, has that been a conversation that you had to have in your freelance career where a company has been like, no, look, look, let's just bring you on the team. How about that? And then turning that down or saying yes, or I guess, have you had an experience with that? Um, I had one um, yeah. that was kind of funny and it was very humbling again, a great education. So I was talking to a local developer contract and they say, but you know, let's just assume that everything goes well, bring on board. And, I wasn't quite there yet. I, I really want a conversation. Yeah. Um, one thing that I always say is I'm not relocating. My kid's happy. My, my wife's happy. We got a great dad that we love. Eddie here, good friends. And so relocation is not really an option. And a lot of the stuff involves relocating to Seattle or. Um, so that is kind of one. One of the, the funny one was. Particular studio, incredible people, great studio, great games, um, but they were working in Unity. Uh, they, I, I mean, we were very forthright in the conversation when we first started talking. Like, I don't use Unity. 
I'm not, you know, I'm, but I'm an Unreal guy. I specialize in Houdini and Unreal. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, oh, I'm a quick learner. You know, we'll all do this. And they were really excited. And what I want to do is learn a new engine, cherry quirks that they've built into it. So you can do that in a studio and you'll pick it up pretty quick. But yeah. I found we were taking a long time that shouldn't have taken so long. So <laughs> after about a week, I just fessed up hat in hand. I'm like, guys, well, I'm so sorry, but I don't think this is going to work. And they were so cool. They're like, we're making an investment. Hang in there. Yeah. I think the surprise was, you know, you get to a point where you've got 12 years of experience doing one thing. You're kind of stupid to go and two weeks experience and think you're going to be as good or as capable. Um, yeah. And they were cool about it. And we had a, you know, we had a, a good laugh and I ended up just doing destruction for him until my contract ran out, but pretty surprised. <laughs> that's, that's cool though. Uh, shout out to them for their attitude and your attitude and how that split kind of went down. Seems like, so about it, man. I, I told them, I was like, you guys didn't have to pay me because I feel like, you know, <laughs> we made a deal and, and I'm backing out. And they're like, dude, get, get out of here, man. Here, just send us an invoice. And then if you could finish this up and that up. And then in the end, I ended up, they ended up extending me for a week or two just to work on their trailer, which was like totally pre-rendered stuff. It wasn't even game stuff. But oh, wow. um, but that was humbling. And again, I think the key, and this is really important in freelance, is being very direct and open with everybody, you know, people you're contracting and the people you're working with, your clients. And I was just very, very honest with them that guys, you guys are paying me, you're paying for an expert and you're getting a novice and it makes me feel terrible every single day. So, you know, let's just, you know, let's call this a learning experience. You know, I got a good laugh out of it, but uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, the Subnautica guys. I want to give them a big shout out, man. They were absolutely so cool. All those guys are Charlie. They're amazing. Uh, and I, I love their game. Too. That too. I love into it. Yeah. I keep hearing about them and them in general. Um, Fantastic. You and, like, another friend of mine. Who's, yeah. That's really cool. With the recent developments of new systems and VR and AR, I mean, now that you, you've always been a very curious guy in technology from what I remember, right? Uh, what do you see a future in all those things that we're doing with VR and AR? Because it's kind of stagnant in this way. Maybe it's being used in virtual production. I, I feel like the virtual, yeah, visual effects guys are using it more than games or in more practical ways than we are. Um, I, I would love to hear your thoughts about that. I did. I have a, a client and and working in VR, but they're doing location based stuff, so it's very different. Mm-hmm. I have a really good friend, um, Laurent, who's just this absolute genius. Um, his own games, does music, does a program, does the art, does everything. An absolute games, I think it is. But he's just, and he made this amazing VR game and. Experience, him go through that experience i don't think the market is big enough vr mm-hmm. that's kind of he's now making i think other games for mobile and pc and he's also like a heavy hitter um so i, I don't think he's gonna have any trouble anytime soon but interesting to watch and i had some other friends who did the same thing and had the same result you know they're selling three copies a week or it on sale and but um, in terms of just retail VR, I'm just not sure the installation base is there. The other thing was, is, you know, I went out and got an Oculus. I use it for like, you know, I, I use it when I work with that VR client. Time in that isolated world with my eyes sweating. And <laughs> um, if it's something that you're really going to do, 
I think that's really the goal, right? That compulsion loop to get people to play. I, I, I don't know. And I know the, the virtual production stuff is pretty amazing. They're doing some really interesting stuff there. I think on the science side and the architecture side and the visualization side, I think there's a lot of cool, cool, cool stuff going on there. But um, in terms of just like game development, like retail, VR, entertainment, I haven't seen the killer app yet. I haven't. Maybe maybe I just haven't seen that. Right. Uh, Xlab doing some really cool stuff. That Vader thing mm-hmm. um, is pretty compelling. Um, but again, I'm uh, I'm not sure I would ever decide to focus on. Right. No, I, I share. I think the same sentiment as you. It seems like VR and AR is is uh, picking up a lot of steam in other industries. Ironically, where you know we we gave birth to it, but we have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it presents a whole slew of problems that normal games, console games just don't. Like traversal. I mean, that's just like a huge problem. Like as soon as you move the camera, you get sick. Yeah. Um, I played a game, I don't remember what it was, and I certainly wouldn't name it, but it was pretty cool. I mean, the art was solid and it was tough on a moving platform. And I swear that headset was on the desk and I never picked that game up again. Um, I think that uh, there was that, I can't remember what it was alone, I guess, or something like that. Pretty cool. That was actually one of the better implementations, but even that, like it didn't really hold me for hours on end. So I'm just not sure. Although it did start in real time, I'm not sure the games where real time was is really where it's going to end up making its mark. Yeah. Well, I can say this. Uh, looking at my little clock over here, it says we've been podcasting for about an hour now. So that is another feat that you have achieved on this episode. You have won twice. Um, <laughs> and at this time, Brandon and I usually will step away from the microphone to allow you some opportunity to talk directly to our audience, to shout out, to promote or raise awareness, and just generally shine some spotlight on something you're excited about, something you're interested in, or just anything in general that you think needs more attention than it currently has. So without further ado, sir, the floor is yours. Um freelance and you know you've got some experience do it you open that door you'll be okay it can be a little scary at times but you'll, you'll be okay um a couple shout outs uh me up at 343 best human beings you'll ever meet laurent at ilm working on a big project right now uh, one of the only contractors they brought back so that speaks to his talents laurent you're the man uh, my boy rowan who got his open water certification in a class with six adults at 11 years old and absolutely killed it. I'm very proud of him. Uh, Brad sucks. Great musician. I got him on loop right now. Uh, and Novato, man, you want to get scuba, you want to start scuba diving, come and talk to us. Amazing people, amazing trips. And uh, of course, airship creative, if you need dynamics effects, soul secret scuba adventures, some real high end training or, uh, Take some really cool trips to paradise and full adventure video of your experience. All right. You guys, man, you guys' podcasts are so rad. They're so human, uh, down to earth. Uh, and I really, really enjoy them. So kudos to you guys, Brandon and Larry, man. You guys kill it. It's amazing stuff. Jesus, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, All right, thank you everyone for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great day.